So, interesting title for the Sunday school lesson. And I have to tell you, it's not, nothing, I wasn't like, she has one next door to her. There's not, nothing that really happened that made me say, oh, this is what I got to talk about. Because I was really struggling to find what I was supposed to talk about for whatever reason. So then suddenly comes Ready, Aim, Fire. Okay, what's that? Okay, so anyway. Well, you know, my thing, I was thinking, you know, honestly, goodness, I was thinking of a firing squad. When, when, I, when I heard the words, I'm like, a firing squad? Okay, so I, I just, just kind of went with what the Lord was saying and just did my very best. So how long has it been since the conference? Three weeks? Yeah? Today's the ninth. So, three weeks. And I was looking at all the notes that I've taken from the conference, getting the recordings on our website. So, this afternoon, you should be able to go on the website and listen to any of those that you would like to listen to. They'll be there. And then realizing, as Pastor Ron kept I don't know, don't think it was necessarily him, but he had a lot of information, so sometimes we were in one session, but it was the end of the other session, and then the start of this session, and so, and I didn't have handouts for every session, and then I realized at least two of the handouts went for two sessions, so I was so confused and yet unconfused, and I just looked at the sessions and what they were talking about and trying to remember the things that God had shared with me, you know, like for me, there's usually almost always one big thing that I hear, and I'm like, wow, wow, I, I need to remember that. So I started reviewing those. They're on my paper here. I'm not saying I'm going to look read them all, but they're on the paper here, and I'm just looking at all the things that God was speaking to us about, and some of it was things we already knew, and I was just realizing that the Father, as we all know, is, has been getting us ready and has been directing us in certain ways for what's about to come. So I think that was the ready, aim part, right? And then we're going to fire shortly. We're going to shoot. Woo! Well, not us, but God's going to. So, um, but there was a lot of, of the teaching that still lingers within my, within my heart and somewhat in my mind, which is very good. Definitely the place I need help from help with. Lord, give me more brain power. So the one thing that has not gone quite away yet for me is how uncomfortable that I feel. So I'm still feeling very uncomfortable like I did before we went. And even while I was there, I just felt uncomfortable. But I know it's because God's changing things. And so changing things in me too, but I mean, just overall changing things. And I don't, I'm, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. So that's probably not going to go away for a while longer anyway. So anyway, I enjoyed the conference. I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about that because I haven't been teaching yet. So here I am teaching. So we're going to talk about <clears throat> ready, aim, fire. And really, it's exactly what we do as sons. The Father gets us ready, equips us with what we need, furnishes us with what we need to do the task that God has given us, the task at hand. And, and then he directs us in a place. He gives us the aim. So he directs us where to go. And we know he's always directing our heart and our feet to the places that he wants us to take dominion. And then finally, we get that opportunity to shoot or to be that which is shot as an arrow of God. So the first thing I, I, I started doing was looking up this the word ready in scripture and then what it looks like in the, the Hebrew and all that things. And I came across this scripture in Genesis 18. It's actually the, one of the first occurrences of the word ready, but not of the Hebrew word ready. But it was still a very interesting scripture when I started reading it because of the story that I told. And the part that got me was, was Sarah ready? Because this is about Sarah and Abraham. Was Sarah ready? And I thought, what does that mean? So I read the scripture again, and then I read the definition of the word, and I said, oh, so let's read the scripture. In Genesis 18, 1 through 15, it says, and I better not read this part, 
And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. I think I'm saying that right. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. This is Abraham. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. There's so many things in just as for, I just saw, but they were by him, but he ran to them. Okay, so I'll just keep going. And said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort you, your hearts. After that, you shall pass on. And therefore, are you come to your servant? Did I, did I miss the thing? No, I didn't. And they said, so do as, as thou hast said. And so Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly. All these words in bold are the same exact word, by the way. Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the earth. And Abraham ran into the herd. <laughs> this is a funny picture. Ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man. And he hastened, he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf, which he addressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they said unto him, where is Sarah, thy wife? Once again, I think that's a very interesting thing. Why do you care about the wife? Because, you know, we're talking a patriarchal type concept here. But these were apparently three heavenly beings, one being the Lord. Adonai, actually, that the word Lord in verse 3 is Adonai. And he said, Behold, in the tent, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. I'll keep going and not say anything mean. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman, which we knew that. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, so now it's the plans and purpose of God are addressing this. The Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I... Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the same, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. We've read that story before a bunch of times, but the word for um, for hastened here is the word mahar. And when you look at the definition, which I don't know that I put the definition on your sheet now that I said that. Did I? Nope. I'm sorry. The word means to be liquid or flow easily. To hurry in a good sense or a bad sense. To hasten, to be hurried, to be anxious. And really, when I looked at this, I really, looking at this word, I really believe, and especially in this context, that the Lord wants us to be liquid. He wants, he desires us to be ready to go wherever he channels us. We know how liquid flows. It goes wherever there's a channel, wherever there's a low point, wherever there's a, a, a you know, something dug out. I mean, we know wherever something's slanted. We know a lot about liquid in Florida. Oh, yeah, we have lots of flooding, and we understand that kind of stuff. So when, when Abraham realized what was going on, and whether he understood it at that moment or not, I don't know. There must have been so much going on when he had these people show up, and that they're obviously one of them was, was God. I thought it's interesting, too, that it's Adonai at the beginning, that Abraham recognized that it was Adonai, and then it was um, Jehovah later on. But it, 
But it was, it was Yahweh at the beginning. But in verse 3? 1. Right. Oh, sorry. Verse 1 was Yahweh. Which gives you the clue of what's going to happen. There's, there's a plan, plan that and God a... is going to reveal here. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Abraham knew enough to know that God was coming to position him or place him in some new capacity or some different capacity than what he'd been, which is why he referred to him the way he did. So that, that brings up a good, a good, not only a question, but a good discussion point. When Abraham got to, to Mamre or Mamre or however you say it, did he think that was his final destination? I, why would I? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, go ahead, Larry. I got to well, sit down. The, the fact that he was uh, in a tent and not in some structure that uh, was more permanent suggests that he was still living that nomadic style of life where you follow, you follow the grass, you mm -hmm. follow where the cattle can feed. So you stay in a place till you know the resources are are dwindled, and then you move to a, a new spot. So that's that's kind of the lifestyle that he was living. She's got it. Yeah, or or you know that the Lord is moving you. So that had really been that's why he left Ur to start with. He knew that God was basically moving him about and sending him from one place to the other mm -hmm. on the great adventure, whatever you want to call it, on right. this journey. So I, I think I think he was used to that, which is why he's like, okay, what what is this about now? How what are you gonna? How are you positioning me? What what's coming? So he, you know, he, he had an intimate relationship with the Lord, no matter what characteristic was being present presented to him. But he had yeah, it was nomadic in the natural. Yes, but I don't think that was the driving force. So the. He was ready to follow the plans and purpose of God no matter what. He, he was going to go wherever. And, and almost in, and you can't really tell this because not there's not a lot of words that say that he was anticipating the move of God, what he was going to do, but it seemed that he was ready to go. It seemed that he had the concept of ready pretty much down and knew that he needed to do things because stuff was happening. Well, and I think with the word that you're defining this morning, kind of backs up the fact that mm -hmm. not only is he saying, okay, I'm going to address you in the capacity of the one God that positions or places us, so mm -hmm. I'm ready for that, but I'm also ready to move with you in any way, which is why he immediately, he didn't stop to chit-chat about other things. He immediately took care of business. He was ready to flow. Let's get all this out of the way mm -hmm. so that we can we can address the situation. At hand. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So that brings me... Oh. Larry's got something. And in that form of thinking, you know, you can see the uh, uh, the concept of the gift, the, the the refreshment, the washing of the feet, the the killing of the calf, the making of the bread. So there was there was a um, in a sense a time of worship here. There was a time of sacrifice, and there was uh, that that was part of the preparation. Mm -hmm. uh, he was honoring those and saying. You have you have the uh, the word that I need. You, you, I'm giving you that place of honor to where you can speak to me. Yeah, and so when I and now let's let's go back to Sarah. Okay, so Sarah apparently was not of the same mindset as Abraham, and and when when Abraham ran in and said, "Hey, be liquid. Let's flow easily here. Let's do these things," you know, to her it was like. It's like, okay, I can make I can make meal. I mean, it probably was no big deal for her to do that. And really, you know, the three, what was it? The three, darn, I lost my place. No, the three, the meal. What did she use? But thank you. Three measures of fine meal. That's it. You know, I, that'd be something to really study a lot more of if it was mentioned very often, but it's only mentioned one other time. But anyhow, you do fine meal, three measures of fine meal, you make unleavened bread, which I thought was also very interesting. So <clears throat> it's like she had, I mean, that's probably all they had out there, I'm guessing. But still, the concept of unleavened bread being presented at this time was kind of nifty. So there's like this unadulterated message that's coming. Listen up. Plus the, uh, the fact that without... Leaven, 
there was no waiting for it to arrive. That's right. And so it was a quick, quick fast time preparation, and mm -hmm. it was produced quickly. And they they called them ash cakes. So I think it's one of those things you put like right in the fire, kind of a thing. So I, I, and that's that's really what the um, I know the soldiers during the Civil War did the same thing because mm -hmm. it's something you could bake quickly, eat it, and be on the move. Yep, and so. So my, I guess one of the things that I was wondering when I was reading the scripture was, was Sarah ready for everything? So in other words, did she get caught off guard about what God was going to do when she laughed, caught off guard, whatever you want to call it? Go ahead. And so, okay, so that's the difference, I think, in where God is trying to take us into where we are more like Abraham and we're expecting the unexpected, mm -hmm. <clears throat> whereas she was great. She was, I mean, she loved the Lord. She was okay being obedient and everything, but she wasn't expecting the unexpected. And you got to hand it to her. I mean, to her benefit, that's a lot to expect. I mean, you know, they, I'm sure they had given up their, like Pastor Ron referred to, their, their plea. Well, that was Zacharias he was referring to. But I'm sure that they wanted a son, and they had given up on that idea long ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the time you're their age, things are just not functioning the way, <laughs> you know, to, right. to where you can procreate anymore. Right. So. And God was restoring that functionality. He was absolutely doing that because, because God had a plan, and he needed them to be a part of it. But it did catch Sarah unaware in that one area. Like Vicky said, and that's part of the other thing with the fivefold stuff that we talked about before, and still I'm still looking at the stuff that, you know, the, that little thing we checked off, our little questionnaire. And, and you know, God wants, he, he has this desire. I'm glad you know how to make three cakes, Annette, but I need you to have a baby. I mean, that would be crazy for me too. But you follow how insane that is? So, uh, so yeah, Annette, I'm so glad you could be a teacher seer, but I really need you to be an evangelist. Uh, yeah, so and, and it's, I know we've talked about that a lot, that we all have something we have a proclivity to, we kind of lean towards. But I really think the Father is, is fulfilling the entire fivefold in each one of us in, in the ways that like, we don't want to laugh like Sarah because it wasn't a nice laugh. We don't want to laugh that way. We want to laugh with him and go with the flow. We want to be ready. And so that leads me to um, the ne next scripture in, in Luke, right? Luke one seventeen. because guess who we're talking about here? Speaking of all the things we just spoke of, uh, elderly in their older vein and then suddenly going to have a baby. So we got the whole concept of John the Baptist, in this one scripture that says, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is the um, New Testament word for make ready or ready, and it's hitomazo, and it, t it talks just about exactly like that, to make ready, to be prepared. But if you look at the definition that they have in Scripture, um, what I call the extended definition, they, they, there's a, a notation on this about an oriental custom of sending on before kings on their journeys, people to level the roads and make them passable. And some of you may have already known that that's, that's what it also means. Because, you know, John does say that, prepare you the way of the Lord. Um, and it also says to prepare the minds of men to give the coming Messiah a correct, I'll say a correct reception. <laughs> but we know that didn't, that didn't necessarily happen, did it? So John the Baptist was, we call that a forerunner. We talk, we've talked a lot about that. But that is the state of being ready that we're out there forerunning on behalf of the Lord, that is being in a ready state. And all, I mean, in, in verse 17, it, it's, it talks about, what's that one section? Um, you know, he's going to do what Elijah, because Elias is Elijah, 
I thought it was Elisha. I don't know why. Um, he's going to operate in the spirit, the pneuma and the dunamis of Elijah. And, and we absolutely know how he operated when he was doing the bidding of the Lord. When he was not doing what God, what God needed him to do, he was doing things like hiding in a cave. I don't know. We, we, we don't have time for that. Okay, so um, John the Baptist is going to turn, you know, he's going to revert back the hearts of the people to the fathers and to the children by what he shares. And the disobedient, those that are not persuadable to the wisdom of the just. When I, when I read this scripture, I thought of us 100%, that we are like John the Baptist. We are John the Baptist. We're out here running out ahead of, you know, God's message to us, uh, ahead of whatever the, the churches may be thinking. And here is the Father, and he, want, he, desires that, he desires to turn the people, the churches, back to what he originally called them to be. <laughs> Go ahead, Vicki. This is most definitely the churches. It's not. It's not talking to uh, pagans. No, he, he didn't come to prepare people. You know, the unbelievers. He he came to 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 you know target those people that were belonged to God mm -hmm. and had strayed way off. And so that's so so much where the church is right now, and that's God's heart for His church. It's it is absolutely, and and He wants to turn them back to the wisdom and this. The word wisdom here is, is not our typical word wisdom in the New Testament. Let me find it. It's phronesis. So it's like having understanding, knowledge of, you know, the will of God, which I guess is close to, you know. Anyway, so it's a little bit different. But we know phronesis goes back to, ends up back at Fran, I think, which is, you know, that center of that that place down here, we have, we have those mind, will, and emotions. So God's desire is to, is to thoroughly convert, return people, and, churches, and, you know, um, prepare them. And he uses us to do that. If we don't do it, who will? And the thing is, people are going to see, they're going to see that, that wisdom that we have, and it's gonna, it's gonna blow them away. Go ahead, Carmen. Ah, uh, well, I'm, no, I'm kind of, kind of finished there. Go ahead. Are you talking into the microphone? She set it down next year. Go right. No, I didn't mean it that way. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, one of the things that I, I recently was studying this week, the Lord has kept bringing to my mind repeatedly, uh, was this the, that process that he took Elijah through. It's like God knew that he was a human and he needed to go through something to become, to be position, repositioned and in that place where he could still use him. You know, he had to go through his, well, you know, for making complaints and whatever it was and that wow. was like the wind the rocks the fire the earthquakes you know mm -hmm. before he heard the small voice mm -hmm. it was a process and it was a flow it was almost reminds me of <clears throat> when you were talking about this scripture reminds me of a volcano because volcanoes birth islands mm -hmm. they give birth to things that live and produce life and grow and become and they're lively you know mm -hmm. But we are like a volcano as saints. And we are this process. And so when you're referencing uh, that. I understand. When you're referencing that place where uh, Isaiah and Sarah were, where um, Ezekiel was even, and uh, Elijah, I think when God speaks to us, we sort of think in two dimensions. Instead of thinking in the God dimension of when he says, prepare yourself, 
Because you're saying prepare yourself and you think, okay, there's something coming and I need to be ready and I'm going to prepare for that thing mm. down here. Down here. And really, yeah, he's talking about <laughs> the immediacy, the place where you exist right now. He wants you to be ready now. And that this process isn't something uh, that is meant like, okay, like all us in the Saints Network, we feel that excitement of something coming in the Saints uh, being made ready for presenting something new to the world that we're already discovering and not even feeling fully discovered yet. Mm -hmm. And we know there's more. And so we're ready to take that more on and apply it. I love your look, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, it gets me excited because this is, I think, more pertinent to an attitude of becoming an attitude of preparation, an attitude of always being prepared and not just saying, I'm prepared for this one moment, this one thing. No, it's a continuous flow, Absolutely. like a volcano moving, like the flow of lava. Even though that volcano is still flowing, guess what? It already has an island. Guess what? It, I'm going to go visit it in December. Guess what? <laughs> you know, it, it has roads on it and, and cars and human life activity, but that volcano is still alive, still producing, still ready, still exposing itself. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to think in that kind of dimension with God that these things are for right now. I, I, I don't know. He just zapped me this week for that and about being this, like, stop thinking of it in the forward cars. Don't don't think of it about that. Mm -hmm. It's right now, this second. You know? Gotcha. Well. I was just thinking, so we know that from the, the first time God created man, his spirit was in us. But in Abraham's time, the sacrifice of Jesus hadn't yet been made to have it truly become enlivened and functioning. And yet that point of sacrifice is that point of covenanting with the father for the new thing in his spirit man that he knew the father wanted to do. It was almost like where our spirit man is stirred through our intercession and our point of partnership there. His spirit man had to be stirred by making that point of sacrifice. And it was like a physical I don't know, it was like an outward um, activation that allowed his spirit man to be in a place where he was fluid and ready to move as the father directed him. Because, you know, even when it says that he saw the three men, he raw awed. Mm -hmm. You know, he was discerning. And so the father wanted him to discern the new fashion that he needed his spirit to move. And I was just thinking, you know, because we start talking to sons, I sometimes take for granted. It's like, oh, well, they were partnering that aspect. They were sons, but it's mm -hmm. like, oh, but wait, Jesus hadn't died yet. So their way of coming into partnership, although spiritually it's the same, they had to go through a different process. Uh, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the ready part. So you're already... Abraham, Sarah, and now you're John the Baptist. Okay, so now you're ready. Just kidding, you guys have always been ready. So let's go on to the next part. Let's go look at the aim part. In Psalm 5, verse 3, it says, My voice shall thou hear, Shema, in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So <clears throat> this is David, and he, not that David, David, and it says in, 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 the, in the scripture above it, verse 1 and 2, which I just went there just to read it, it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. That's the first two verses. Then the third verse says, My voice shalt thou hear, and that I told you that word is the Shema, in the morning, O Lord, Yahweh, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and we'll look up. Now, you see, my prayer is italicized. And they put that there to help us remember the reference point in verse 2, where he says, for unto thee will I pray. And so here is David, who's actually aiming at God in a good way. <laughs> he's, he's directing or aiming his prayer at the Father. And the word for prayer in verse 2 is the word palal. Do you guys remember a palal study that we did? Vaguely? Yes? Okay, good. Thank you, Carmen, because I vaguely remember it. Right? And, and we know that the word palal is to intervene, right? 
um, to judge mentally, to meditate on what's going on, to use, I don't know if we can say, you can, to say discernment. So there's this measure that David is, I don't want to just do it all on my own, even though I'm pretty good at praying for what needs to be done. Uh, no, I, let me direct, let me direct my, myself to the Lord and let him, let him lead me. Let him tell me what's what. Let me, let me get this all straightened out. So I thought it was interesting when I looked at this, and I don't know punctuation that well in Hebrew, but in the morning will I direct unto thee and will look up. So there's this, this concept of, not concept, but there is this I will look up. And when you read that definition, it's a watchman word. Because it's talking about leaning forward and to peer into the distance and to wait. And that's a watchman word. And so David, in all the things he did all the time, every which way to Sunday, here he is on, you know, writing this psalm talking about how important it is for us to be a watchman, to direct our prayer, but to direct our mind and our heart to the Lord in a watchman capacity, to lean forward and to see what is God doing. And so that's how one of the ways that God aims us in the right direction. So, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so that would, that would uh, mean that that would help us know how to pray for what needs to come into alignment. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, the aiming part. So we're bringing in, um, not that we haven't brought in prayer already, but we're bringing in prayer. We're bringing in this this. this up and down conversation with God to, to know what we need to know, best way I can say it. And so, you know, I know when you, if you're a person that shoots, David can help testify to this if need be, but there's times when you've got a, a brand new gun and you, you don't know exactly the sight. How, how do I have my sight exactly right? Is it, is it true? And then you, you get a target and you fire some rounds off and you, you adjust. You figure out what's going on. Your aim is not true. You know, God wants our aim to be true from the get-go. He, he wants us to, to get it instantaneously. That's why he has us in a watchman capacity. And I know Pastor Ron talked about a watchman two Sundays ago. So if you haven't heard that, go listen because it's, it's something very, I don't know what to say except very cool that God's leading us. Go ahead, Vic. This just indicates, too, it reinforces the fact that it's our voice that, uh, that's in alignment with God's plan that is, is what God is partnering with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he's Shemaim. Absolutely. Okay, wait, how did I get that? Okay. So the other scripture that I, that I chose, God chose for me, is the word, scripture in Proverbs Three verses five through seven. So if we're in Proverbs, then we're more than likely talking about lovely Solomon, who's passing on words of wisdom. I always find it interesting that in some of the Proverbs, it flows nicely. And other times when I read Proverbs, it's like this sentence could stand all by itself. And then there's this sentence, and then there's this sentence. So, but this is one of those scriptures that we've all read, well, probably quite frequently. In verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from, from evil. It's very, that last one really got me, that last scripture I mean really got me too. But so <clears throat> we've talked a lot about trusting in God being fully persuaded that what he's doing in this time in our lives when we speak to him is 100% real, 100% happening, 100% going to be 100%. <laughs> so the, the concept of trust, you know, that's, we just got that confidence. We got that boldness to go where, where we need to go and to feel okay in that place. You know, I always talk about having a safe place. You're in a safe place. Well, whenever you're trusting in the Lord, you're in a safe place. And so we're going to do that with our heart. We understand that concept. Okay. 
another step. Go ahead. Just, whenever we're trusting in the plan of God. Yeah, okay. Yes, because it is Lord Yahweh again. A lot of people look at that and just think, I love the Lord and I'm just going to trust in the Lord, but they don't really know what they're trusting in. Right. Some vague, general, he's going to take care of me, and then they're disappointed when things don't go the way that they think it should go. That's so true. So it's really critical that you, we recognize that our confidence is, is in the plan of God, not in our plans. Right. Not anything that we can understand, too. Our own understanding gives us nothing. Absolutely nothing. So in verse 6, it says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and, here's the, and he shall direct your path. So this is the aim. that God gives us the aim. He gives us the path. He gives us the direction that we're going to shoot. He gives us the place that we need to be to do that next step. In verse 7, it says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. And, you know, I think that's funny sounding because I don't think I'm very wise in my own eyes. However, I seem to get still frustrated and irritated. I think that's the best way of saying it. Because I think that I know what's best in my own eyes. And I don't, I, I don't understand other, you know, I say that a lot. I don't understand what people are You know, who cares if you don't understand? I mean, really, Gail, who cares? Nobody really cares if I understand. God cares that we understand him and his wisdom. So we're not going to be wise in our own eyes. We're going we're gonna to be wise in the eyes of the Lord. But look at the next thing. So it's a colon. So it's like here's a thought extended from what I just said. That's how I take colons. And it says that we're going to fear the plans and purpose of God. Now, is that the kind of fear that we are going to be, um, you know, cowering in the corner? No. This kind of fear is something where we're joining with him in overcoming the evil, the twistedness of the enemy. And we're doing that proactively. We're not waiting for the enemy to drop on, in on us and smash us to the ground or however the enemy gets you, we are being proactive in our stance because we're partnering with the Father now in his presence because we fear his plans and purpose. And that doesn't, again, not mean cowering. It means that we know and join in what he's doing. We understand that this is a big deal. That's one way of saying it for me. It's a big deal. We got to do it. We need to, we need to stand there. And, and be ready for whatever he's doing. And that's part of the ready part, but we're still in the aim part. <laughs> so fear the Lord and depart from evil. So because of wisdom, this is how I'm taking it, even though there's a colon between be not wise in your own eyes, that means be wise in the eyes of God, or be wise as God is wise. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. When you have wisdom, it eradicates and changes those places where evil has reigned and turns them to God's kingdom, turns them to him. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. Go ahead. Um, verse 6, when it's talking about all your ways, acknowledge him. That's a word for to know him, just not know about him, mm -hmm. not just say, okay, I believe in God. Right. It's you really know him. And it, it makes me think of that New Testament passage where Jesus was saying, well, you prophesied in my name and you overcame demons in my name. You did all these things in my name. But I don't know I you. I don't know you because you never took the time to know me. Right. And it's, it's that knowing of God that brings that alignment to our journey, to our walk. Yeah. Exactly. And that, um, that other very last section of the verse 7 and depart from evil. And we talk about departing, where it's really like a disengaging from the power of Ra. It's like disengaging from that. Not we're not going to be a part of it. And 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 really, in a one of the best correct ways you can say it, we're going to rebel against that Ra power. We're gonna we're gonna be in rebellion against it because we're we're on God's side. So if we can rebel against God, we most certainly can rebel against the enemy. So. Go ahead. So I was just thinking um, we're supposed to literally turn aside from twisted purpose. So does that mean really any anything that is not purpose, even if it's 
acknowledging God and acknowledging Jesus, but it's not it's not really following the path. See what I'm saying? It's not really following the purpose of God. Mm-hmm. Then we're, people are supposed to turn aside from that too. And I guess what I'm getting <clears throat> at is the watered down message that the church has that needs to be turned aside from. Mm-hmm. And, and in so many ways, isn't a lot of the watered down things that church teach really wisdom in the eyes of man, like man's wisdom? Because, and it really is, it, and I still get stuck on it too, I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, people look at things and they, they apply what's in Scripture to what their brain understands. And that was another thing that God's really been talking to me about, about how are we marked on behalf of the Father? How, are, how do we remember on behalf of the Father what's going on, what he's taught us, what's happening now? There has to be a, a place where we disembark from what our mind says because we've been there all along, and now we need to be over here in the wisdom of the Father. This makes me think so much of uh, what happened in Nazi Germany or Germany just as the Nazis came in because, again, I'm reading Bonhoeffer. I'm halfway through. It's a really thick book. But, um, you know, you had the German church. It was called German Christian Church, and they were based on Luther. But it had become so uh, sterile spiritually that you could be a theologian in the church and never have, never be a Christian, never understand what, who Christ was. In fact, they didn't even preach Christ. They, men, most of them didn't believe in the virgin birth or the resurrection. And so that made them ripe for takeover. Absolutely. And Bonhoeffer's, his, his big, at the first, when he was still trying to fight for the integrity of the church, you know, he wanted, he wanted there to be a, uh, in all of their meetings that they had and everything, he wanted there to be a distinct line drawn between the fact that the, the German church had abdicated everything that had to do with scripture. And so they were no longer a church in the eyes of God. And that the confessing church is what he was calling his group. He didn't want to be a movement. He wanted to be the church, mm-hmm. you know, were those that were preaching Christ. And he had such a hard time getting people to come with him that believed in all of that because they still thought, well, we can convince other people. You can't convince raw. <coughs> you can't convince people who are deliberately partnering with the enemy to, to come. I'm not saying they're hopeless or anything like that. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that's futile thinking in that way. Right. They're trying to convince Hitler, you know. Mm-hmm. And yet he had seen those same beginnings over here in our in our country where the theological seminaries were in New York City were preaching basically humanism. They had the same underlying foundation. And look how little time it took to so water down the message that basically that's where a lot of the churches are now, too. There's no life in them. There's no vitality. There's no real spirit, even in the ones that proclaim to be spirit-filled, you know, because they've made it all about a formula, you know, and, and it's, they've taken out of it the whole relational process, and the, the big thing that he always was pushing is dying to self. Right. That's become obsolete. It's just not a really popular thing to talk about. No, because it's hard. Yeah. And there's so many things that are getting hard in this world, too, that were okay before, and now they're just getting harder and harder, at least for me. It's like... That's <sighs> it, that we're just ripe for another a takeover just like that. Mm-hmm. Because we, we, we have the same exact things that are occurring. And anybody that stands up for anyone that got to see that Movie, movie this past week with Sean Fuke. Yep. Anyone that stands up for righteousness is going to get hit from within the camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you need to obey what the rule of the law is. When they tell me I can't worship God, are you serious? What was the name of that movie? Let, Super, spreader. Super Spreader. Thank you. And he, the movement is Let Us Worship, I guess is what he called. I don't know if you've heard about that movie. I don't know. Oh, Yeah. You didn't get a chance to go, did you? It's okay because it's gone. I mean, unless they bring it back. It's out of, it's out of Titusville anyways. It probably will be streaming eventually. 
But I mean, that's I mean that's exactly it. And we know that we know the answer to dealing with this evil, and it really is godly wisdom. It has to be God's wisdom for us and knowing God. Well, yeah, and so that was our aim. Let's go ahead and fire now, shall we, Larry? Pew pew. Now. <clears throat> There's a lot of there's a lot of scriptures that have this word shoot in it. And it's not when I go, oh shoot. It's something different. And the word is yara, and it means to throw, to shoot, to cast. It's really interesting too, because the continuing definition, once again, is to flow as water. To lay or throw an arrow. I don't know how you lay an arrow. Maybe someone can inform me of that one day. I get how to throw an arrow, but I also know how to string an arrow and shoot it. That's what really the implications used here. You're talking about like the, a type of an arrow that would sit in the, what do you call this? The crossbow? Oh. You would okay. lay it down to. That's true. I like the whole hand motion was very, yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> just, she just did it like this. Okay, there you go. Just jump off and go into somebody. Yeah. During this time, that may be true. During, I think he means during the Old Testament time. <laughs> David said he doesn't think crossbows were made at this time. So, so let's take a look at, at Psalm 64. And you know, the beginning part is against a group of people and then we get to the next part. So let's see if everybody can see where we switch over. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer, preserve my life from fear of the enemy. That's an interesting statement. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. And you see we have a theme running through it when it comes to ready, aim, fire. But <clears throat> the word, oh, Secret counsel is just one word. It's not like it's a top secret place that nobody knows where the enemy is counseling somewhere, sitting there, going to, you know, about to drop a bomb on people or whatever you want to call it. So some of these words are just kind of how they translated this was interesting. Not that I'm an expert. Verse 3, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot the arrow. So that first shoot is italicized. Go. I was just going to say, I was looking up what does it mean to lay an arrow, and oh. it may not necessarily be a crossbow, and it's funny, because they don't actually use the word lay, they say to knock an arrow, yes. they put it in the notch, mm -hmm. but when you look up lay an arrow, it's like to place it, is what it seems, you know, you put it in the right spot so that when you shoot it, it aims. The same principle with the crossbows. But it can be any. Vicky has been vindicated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, oh, secret, mm, bend their bust, or oh, even bitter words. That's the end of verse 3. Because we stopped at arrows and, and even bitter words. So 4 says that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. This is the not nice people, in case you didn't got lost on that too. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil manner. They commune, the commune, I'm sorry, of laying snares. Privily, they say, who shall see them? Does this sound like the world today, or am I just? Yeah. They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search, both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. Oh, then we get to verse 7. I gave it away. But God... Okay, now we're doing all right, because it's God. Here comes God. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Who's that? Uthen. Where'd the arrow? Suddenly shall they be wounded. I would like to say awe, but if God's shooting us and they're wounded, then okay. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. Lord, let this be. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, and they shall wisely consider of his doing. 
The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and, they, and shall trust in him and all the upright in heart shall glory. I, thought, I, thought, I know, isn't that cool? Yeah, she did. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's us shooting. So we ready, aimed, and, and then we fired. But we didn't fire. God fired us at the exact point and place needed. You know, because part of the, the, the rest of the, part of the definition of shoot is also to point out. Go. Doesn't that make this an apostolic thing then? Because it's talking about Elohim, so it's his heart that's shooting us yeah. forward. So that's like an apostolic endeavor. And that, we seem to be more involved in those than we ever have. But it's all gravy because it's God. I don't know if everybody likes gravy. But anyways. <laughs> All right, so uh, these words that I have bold, like I said, there's more scriptures for, for all of this that there was no, obviously no time. And I was trying to get done as close to time as I could, which looks like I did. Please go and, and observe and study these kinds of things. Uh, you know, some stuff might have caught your attention more than others. Mine was AIM. The whole concept of being directed. How how do we get directed by the Lord? There were scriptures in in Thessalonians that talked about it. So it's it's a good it's obviously good stuff to go over. I hope that all made sense. Thank you all for Amen, amen joining in. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Kim. Yeah, yay, saints. Yeah, a little. A little different for me. 